This is Greater Together, a podcast for and about entrepreneurs and community builders in Columbus, Ohio, aimed at demystifying what it takes to build a better business. I'm Rachel Kershaw. I'm here today speaking with Haley Boning, founder and CEO of StoryForge. Hi, Haley. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm doing great. Can you tell us a little bit more about StoryForge? Sure. StoryForge exists to help CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business leaders find the most meaningful story about their business so they can get everybody and everything in their business on the same page and have the impact that they want. And I'm here talking to you because StoryForge is a business that is a conscious capitalist business, right? Can you tell us what the term conscious capitalism means to you? Sure. Well, Conscious capitalism, I think when most people hear it, the first thing that comes to mind is the seeming dichotomy of conscious and capitalist, and how can those two things operate uh, uh, simultaneously in the same term. Um, But conscious capitalism is a philosophy, it's an idea, and it's a movement that started uh, many years ago with businesses like Uh, Whole Foods and Container Store, uh, Patagonia, some of these other larger businesses that you might have heard of that we know the brand names of that realized that they were doing business in a way that was different uh, from the norm, that was different from what people thought capitalism was. Um, It really reflects this uh, idea that capitalism, when it is done more consciously, is good. Um, and that it should be better than it is today, that free enterprise capitalism um, is a great tool for human progress if it's used correctly. Um, and it hasn't always been so. So what does that mean for StoryForge? What do you do differently than your competition or your non-conscious capitalist competition? Got it. Well, conscious capitalists fall on a spectrum. Uh, There is a wide variety of different kinds of businesses and how they apply the philosophy. But in its most simple form, conscious capitalism uh, is four tenets that conscious capitalists apply to their business. The first one, which I think is really the most central and important of the four tenets, is this idea of a higher purpose, that a business must have a purpose bigger and greater than profitability if it is to number one, be a conscious business, but number two, be successful uh, in a sustainable way. So having a purpose bigger than profitability that unites everyone in the business, that gives form and function to everything the business does, um, that helps to form uh, their vision and then the decisions and strategies that are implemented every day. So that's the first tenant. The second is this idea of stakeholder orientation. Um, that prior to this idea of conscious capitalism for many, many years, uh, most uh, business schools would tell you that they followed the Milton Friedman School of Economics, where the sole and only purpose of business is to make a profit, is to make money. Conscious capitalists believe that, A, we have a purpose beyond profitability that we use as our our guiding light, but also that we are uh, conscious to and aware of Uh, the need that we have as a business to fill the needs of all of our stakeholders. And that when we can do that in a way where everybody wins or a win-win-win-win-win situation, um, then we are a conscious business truly fulfilling our purpose. 
So and, having that stakeholder orientation and, and having a higher purpose are the first two, and I think the two most important tenets of conscious capitalism. And, and the then, stakeholders means like your employees and your vendors and things like that, right? Yes, that's right. So stakeholders is uh, is set in stark contrast to this idea of shareholder orientation. So for many years, I know when I was in the corporate world, when you were in the corporate world, Rachel, I think this idea of shareholder primacy um, or shareholder value was held up as the most important thing that everyone in the business needed to be working toward to increase shareholder value. Conscious capitalists believe that shareholders are just one stakeholder that a business needs to be um, concerned with creating value for. There are shareholders um, or sometimes investors or sometimes owners of the business, but there are also employees, there are vendors, there are suppliers, there are contractors, there's the community that the organization exists within, and then all of the many communities where that uh, operation or where that business operates. So wherever its products are created, where they're sourced from, um, all of those different communities are stakeholders in that business that need to be thought about. So you chose Conscious Capitalism for StoryForge, but you also were one of the founders of uh, the local chapter. You were talking about this as a movement, and you're one of the people who brought the movement to Columbus, right? That's true. And I wish that I had been smart enough to use conscious capitalism as the original framework on which we founded StoryForge. Um, unfortunately, we put a lot of time and effort into deciding what kind of business we wanted to be. And then as we were talking with other people about StoryForge and all of the work that we put into designing this business, a couple of very smart people said, hey, have you read Conscious Capitalism? We said, no, what's that? And then picked up the book and realized we could have saved ourselves a lot of time if we just <laughs> read that book first. So um, so I will have to admit that, uh, that bit of ignorance at the start of the business. But once we discovered conscious capitalism, we realized not only did it reflect the kind of business that we wanted to be with a higher purpose, with a stakeholder orientation, and with a conscious culture and conscious leadership leading that organization, um, but we felt like Columbus specifically, the central Ohio region, was already pre-positioned to, to become conscious capitalists. In fact, many of the businesses that we were working with in our early years of StoryForge were conscious capitalists. They just weren't using those words or that language. And we thought there might be great benefit to our community if we were to codify our thinking about being conscious capitalists try to bring together all of those other businesses and business leaders that we knew were already practicing this philosophy um, and maybe do it a little bit more overtly. So along with um, a couple of other local businesses, uh, including Improving, Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream, um, IGS Energy, um, we decided to apply for the ability to form a chapter here. And we were approved, gosh, I don't was it eight years ago? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, so, I mean, was, for anyone listening who doesn't know, I've definitely been a part of it as well for the last few years, but not not the eight or however many it's been since you first started it. <laughs> it could be eight. It could be 25. I'm not sure. COVID has erased my brain. Um, <laughs> but uh, it it was a, um, a, a recognition, I think, of something that was that already existed in this community, a desire to use business as a force for good. 
Um, and this belief that if we were to bring all of those people who were separately, perhaps individually in their own lane, trying to use their business as a force for good, if we brought all those people together and spoke more intentionally and overtly about it, that we might be able to, to do more together than we could as separate individuals. So I think that, um, there's pros and cons pretty much to every business model choice, every philosophy choice that somebody could make. Uh, and I think one of the ones people worry about sometimes is versus a traditional business. Does this pay well? Is there a downside or what's, what are the pros and cons here? What have you yeah. found uh, with StoryForge? That's a great thing. It's a great insight. I think that one of the things that I see most often is that people fall into this binary trap that you can either be purpose-driven or profit-driven, that you can either make a profit or you can do good. Um, and even in the language that we use, for-profit and non-profit, right? We, we set up this black or white equation when in fact, there is this, this binary notion is actually completely artificial. Um, we know through studies that that very, very smart people have done, both the founders of conscious capitalism and also um, some consulting firms you might have heard of, like McKinsey and Ernst & Young, um, some very, very smart people have studied this and found that, in fact, purpose-driven companies over the long term actually outperform businesses that are solely profit-driven. Not only do they outperform the market 15 to 1, but they also typically grow at three times the rate of their competition. And they demonstrate just systemically higher stock market performance over that time period. So um, we know that those companies overperform on revenue, they overperform on growth, and that when they do, the majority of them actually link all of those results back to having a clear um, higher purpose that's understood by their teams and that's used as a, a filter for thinking. Um, they also, interestingly, also the CEOs of those businesses will very often say, I think 73% of them will say that their ability to steer through market turmoil, like what we've seen over the last couple of years, is a direct result of having a very well-integrated purpose in their business. So is that why you chose it for StoryForge? Was it to make more money that you, or be more successful than you could have been financially in the uh, traditional world? No, actually, not at all. Uh, the original reason that we chose it was to make work more meaningful. Um, you know, I had had the very good fortune, like you, of having a long career in the corporate world. And I remember when I started that that uh, that job, when I started off in the corporate world, I, I talked to my first financial planner and I said, here's the thing. I want to make as much money as I possibly can while I'm in this particular job. Because when I leave it, I know I want to go do good in the world. And so I'm probably not going to make any money. Um, <laughs> I really, I had that same binary thought in my head that I could either work in business or I could do good for the world. So thankfully over you know, the 20 or so years I have, uh, I, I had a different realization. I realized that it was possible to do both of those things. Um, but really the driving uh, desire behind founding StoryForge was to do more meaningful work for people that I, I respected um, and that I thought were doing meaningful work and help them grow their businesses so that they could grow their impact. So what kinds of businesses do you work with? 
Um, you know, it's interesting. We don't have a particular demographic, but we do have as a psychographic. So we tend to work with very ambitious, curious uh, business owners and entrepreneurs who are growing, who are scaling, and who want to make a difference in the world. They want to have an impact beyond just growing their business and making a profit. Um, and they need help to do that. Do they and all they call want... themselves conscious capitalists? No. In fact, most of them don't. Um, if you look on our website, you will see conscious capitalism only really mentioned in my bio. Um, most people do not wake up in the morning and think, how do I become a conscious capitalist today? <laughs> um, you know, Most entrepreneurs, though, do wake up in the morning and say, I see a world that does not exist today that I want to create. And we look for those people who want that world to look better and be better and do better. Um, one example I can think of, one of our early uh, clients in StoryForge was a, a young woman by the name of Claire Coder, who started a business called Ant Flow. And as she told us about her business and she told us about what she wanted to do, um, we said, oh, well, you're a conscious capitalist. And she said, what's that? We said, well, you're, you're starting a social enterprise. She said, well, what's a social enterprise? And we said, well, you know, it's a business that has a purpose higher than profitability that's trying to change the world and make the world a better place. And she said, isn't that every business? Why would you start a business if that wasn't your, your intent, if, that's, if you didn't want to make the world a better place? So um, those are the people that we seek out, people who just naturally have an instinct to want to improve the world around them um, and know that they can use their special talents, their skill set, and their business to do that. Do you think there are any kinds of businesses that cannot be conscious capitalists? Mm. It's a great question. I would like to think that there aren't any businesses, but I will tell you in practice, it is very, very hard, I think, in this particular day and age in 2023, for a public company um, and for most VC-funded companies uh, to be conscious capitalists. I remember being at the Conscious Capitalism International Conference a few years ago and hearing from, uh, I think it was the founder of Panera Bread, um, whose business had been purchased by, by uh, VC money. Um, who said, and I quote, when conscious business meets unconscious capital, unconscious capital wins every time. Yeah. I will never forget that quote. And that was uh, a real practical, clear-eyed view of, of the kind of businesses that would have trouble being and operating under conscious capitalism. Yeah. Um, there are actually some legal constraints once you go public, if you haven't organized your company correctly. Mm -hmm. Yes. A couple of years ago, McKinsey did a study um, of CEOs and businesses. I think it was a couple thousand different business uh, CEOs that they that they uh, included. And something nearing 80% of those CEOs um, said that they felt pressure to demonstrate really strong financial performance in a period of just two years or less. They wanted to use longer term time horizons to make decisions about their business. They knew that if they really wanted to positively affect corporate performance, that they needed to look longer term. But the pressure to deliver strong short term financial performance from their boards, from their investors, um, those, those short term pressures from institutional investors were preventing them from making the kind of decisions that they wanted to make for the long term health and sustainability of their businesses. Um, and that is where 
I think we have come in a world where I might get these numbers a little bit wrong, but in the 1980s, a stock typically was held for eight years. And the last time I checked the numbers, which was which was granted probably before the um, the pandemic, I think the average stock was held for eight months. Yeah. So eight years to eight months, the time horizons that people, uh, the people who are responsible for those uh, transactions are looking at, they want money quick and they want it fast. Um, And that often at the expense of uh, the business's long-term profitability um, and also its ability to fulfill its purpose and, and retain that kind of holistic stakeholder orientation that's necessary to be a truly conscious business. Yeah, I know we've had a couple really great events um, here at the local chapter level on basically the difference between long-term and short-term thinking and and why that's sort of critical to being able to do what you want to do in terms of making conscious leadership choices and things like that. We could probably have a whole separate podcast just on <laughs> what that means to think long-term instead of short-term. Um, so in terms of... F- StoryForge, your day-to-day, are there any businesses that, um, I I know you said you work with ones that are not calling themselves conscious capitalists, but are there people that are so far different from that or businesses that are so far different from that philosophy that you don't feel comfortable or that you you find yourself turning down business? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say we do turn down a significant amount of business and it's more about the CEO or the business owner or entrepreneur than it is about the business itself. You know, we've worked with businesses as diverse as real estate developers, toilet manufacturers, um, tampon manufacturers, uh, publishers of educational materials. Um, we've had some a really wide variety of different kinds of businesses the thing that unites them all is this desire to do better in the world, to use business as a force for good, and also be open and curious to the kind of changes that need to be made in order to fulfill that that promise of doing good. So curiosity and openness and willingness to change um, is, is really the, that is the, uh, the first uh, hurdle to working with StoryForge. And I think that to me, at least sounds not like turning down business so much as you have a niche. I mean, do you think you're turning down businesses that, you know, if you were to niche in the traditional way that people write lots of articles about how you should be very specific about who your customer is, do you think there's a big difference? Do you think you're turning down more business because of your, your purpose-driven philosophy? Um, I think we are turning down some business because of it, certainly. Uh, I, I don't think it's about turning down business because turning down business would imply that it's business that we should be taking. And in in my mind, it's about a fit. So we have a result that we get for our clients. And if that's not the result that you're looking for, then we're not the right people to help you. Um, and this is where we have, you know, early on in our business, I can think of one client that we took on where they thought they wanted purpose. They thought they wanted vision. They thought they wanted beliefs. They thought they wanted a meaningful story that could be told and lived, but they just kind of wanted the idea of it. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's one of the reasons we work uh, solely with the CEO and the owner and the entrepreneur. Um, the head of marketing, for example, 
might be our friend and might bring us into the business, but it's the CEO who needs to sign the contract. Um, The CFO might be the one to bring us into the business or the head of HR, but it needs to be the CEO that signs the contract Um, because it's not a marketing campaign, the work that we do. It's not a employment branding campaign. Um, It's not a tactical project to fix one particular part of the business. It's a holistic solution for the story and the strategy for the entire business um, that becomes a filter for thinking and a filter for strategy for everyone. And that has to come from the CEO. It's awesome. I think it also sort of sounds like what you're saying is you're you're not so much turning stuff down as making room for the work that you want, maybe. Yes, there's a great, um, I don't know if you've heard of Reagan Walsh. She's a, a good friend and an amazing coach uh, to women in business. And she will often say, uh, when you say yes, what are you saying no to? Um, and if we say yes to the to the wrong client, the client who's not ready for the work, what we're also saying yes to is a lot of pain, a lot of frustration on our part, frustration on their part, and ultimately an unhappy customer and an unhappy StoryForge team. And what we could potentially be saying no to is the next great client that comes through the door that absolutely wants what we want and absolutely needs our help. So it's uh, it's our job to diagnose the problems and it's our job to um, suggest the solutions um, that will help uh, address that diagnosis. Um, but we cannot do it if the patient doesn't want our help. So if people want to know more about Conscious Capitalism and the local chapter here, I know they can go to columbus.consciouscapitalism.org. But if people want to know more about StoryForge and about what's going on with you in particular, where should they go, Haley? All right. Well, I'd send you two places. So the first is you can find more information about StoryForge on our website at storyforge.co. So that's storyforge.co. And you can also follow me on LinkedIn. And I'll post regularly about the work that we do and share stories of our our clients and their successes and uh, would be delighted to interact with you there. You also post great articles. So yes, absolutely. Everybody should follow Haley on LinkedIn. It's been great speaking with you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Rachel. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. Visit greatertogetherpodcast.com for more episodes to recommend a guest or to leave feedback. Greater Together is brought to you by Greater Columbus Consulting. Greater Columbus Consulting specializes in social enterprises, nonprofits that want to capitalize on their strengths, and for-profit businesses that are working towards a higher purpose.